Hello everybody, this is Paul. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. It is great as always to be here uh, back in England. Uh, back in England as I uh, talk to you for this podcast. And I'm again sharing with you um, some live footage of our events. We love sharing the, the you know the community, if you like, the, the people that make it so great. It's been wonderful to start this Planet Paul community. Um, but it's been even better to watch it grow and just watch the success stories that come out of it. And I think, you know, for, for you as you listen to this, as you listen to this, um, I'm trying to imagine what life must be like. You're building a business, you're driving to work every day, you've kind of started this thing, you've got some clients, the phone's ringing, you might have some staff, but it's a bit lonely, it's a bit frightening. Um, you don't really know whether to raise the prices, hire somebody else, fire somebody. You don't really know what's going on on in the rest of the kind of physical therapy profession and that makes it a bit frightening and a bit lonely and that's that's why candidly a lot of people turn to these types of podcasts so i always say look it's a great place for you to start um but the community that we've built is ready for you it's ready for you to get involved and what i like to do is share some of the success stories just to give you some hope some courage some confidence that you can be as successful um you know you can do as well as the people that you're about to hear from and what as you listen to this panel which is always my favorite part of the masterminds i sit in the audience and get to listen to this it's simon uh, our head of education at paul goff media who interviews the guys um he asks them about the improvement in their lives both professionally and personally and it's always the personal development that i'm so proud of when we get to hear members come on stage and tell us how much they've grown uh, business growth will never ever ever outgrow personal growth personal growth must precede uh, any uh, aspiration for business growth so as you listen to these five members they've been uh, six actually six members we snuck one up at the end because he had such a good story on stretch therapy uh, david friedland you must hear from him on how he's built a uh, 20 grand a month stretch therapy um, uh, division inside of his business over there in texas uh, with the help of me and my team um, it's just a wonderful wonderful um, hour of of success of bravery of courage of business owners making great decisions and rightly being rewarded for it and right at the end um, you'll hear us give a, a prize out to our business genius of the quarter um, so uh, turn us up nice and loud enjoy the show don't forget that your next opportunity to join us is at ppm live in october 19 20 21 22 um, head over to uh, www.ppmlive23.com or just send an email to paul at paulgoff.com or reply to any of the emails we've sent you or just messages on social and we'll um, we'll answer any questions that you've got. Tickets have already uh, started to sell. We've got people who've already uh, taken up some of the rooms in the hotel um, from the members. Um, the tickets will go on sale for you guys in the next uh, the next few days so if you're listening to this after july the 20th you can start to get your seats and get in on some of those cheap uh, but very nice hotel rooms at the renaissance over there in orlando so um this is what it's about this is why i uh, started paul goff media this is why i created planet paul this is why i've um hightailed it all across the planet basically to try and meet you guys and get face to face and build this community um it's so that i could be part of um in a small way these success stories from these members who were just like you they all started with a, a goal an aspiration a dream if you like um, ran into a few roadblocks and challenges along the way but then got themselves part of a peer-to-peer -peer community that's been able to help them uh, get past those challenges whenever they obviously arise so turn us up nice and loud and enjoy the success panel you will hear from simon um, who has the mic in his hand interviewing all six of our guests enjoy the show turn us up nice and loud all right, so in no particular order, please welcome to the stage, 
Chris Garcia, Lauren Manor, Christy Shea, Nick Hunter, Nadia Morgi, David Friedland, and David Stedgen. Come on out. Until we got to the stage, that's just me. All right, pick a seat. Don't argue which one it is. There's one that if you give the wrong answer, you'll be catapulted through this stage. There we go. In your own time. Like I said, we're not here to be on time. It's absolutely hard. All right. This. What a motley collection. Wow. So, you guys know this is, you know, we've done this success panels. For those who don't, um, you're going to hear some great stuff over the last sort of 12 days, 18 months, what's been going on in these guys' businesses, in these guys' business. And also, they're personal as well, we'll get a little bit more into it. So, uh, you're going to need one of these. There you go. Do you know how to use one? There you go, correct. <laughs> yeah, it's not Alright, um, I'm trying not to be creepy, but if I go too far that way, I'm going to fall off the stage. Alright. So, we'll start with you, Dave. Um, just, uh, and then we'll work along, we'll go from um, that end to that end. But this one, tell everyone, especially for those who don't know who you are, a little bit more about yourself, you, your business, where you're from. Just give us a little bit of an introduction. Um, David Sedgen, um, my office is in Valley Cottage, New York, which is about 30 minutes north of Manhattan. Um, I started in 2018, sports and orthopedics. Um, started with Paul and 20, in late 2018, for with in yeah, with Accelerator, and hung out in Cash Club for way too long, and <laughs> finally joined into Mastermind and after COVID 2020. Um, you know, just recently, just doubled my staff, which is its own challenges, but it's good kind of challenges because I ran out of time. You know, I was. Busy seeing patients. I was up to about 60 hours a week of patient care. So that was about the limit of where I could, I said, forget it. You need to find somebody. So that's really neat. <laughs> but there's something else you need to know about that, didn't you? <laughs> you didn't already know. There was one to tell Oh, so in late 2019, the car broke in my building. Is that what you want to That's all. Yeah. <laughs> so I had, it, I had to drive through it for a little bit. Um, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I, was out the of the office. I was out of the office for ten and a half weeks. Uh, actually, luckily, my landlord was cool. We negotiated a licensing agreement for a space across the way to keep the patients going. Um, then moved back in on January first of twenty twenty, <laughs> which got really busy, and then you know March. So that was this is how this is how keen patients are to get into David's clinic. Part of my car, screw that, straight in. Yes, it was. Um, I think we even tried to help you use it as a bit of a marketing opportunity. Well, I use it every single year. <laughs> every single year I say, oh, well, this is the, what happened last time that the, we put the pillows on sale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, David. Uh, David. Hi, good afternoon. David Friedland, for those of you that we haven't met, nice to meet you. First of all, I want to be able to say uh, I'm really thankful for Paul and his team, and I just want to be able to share my story, because um, I think it's a little bit different than most of you in the room. I'm not a clinician. I've never touched a person. I couldn't fix 
an Achilles problem or a back problem with my life, depending on it. Um, I'm a technologist um, by, by trade, and seven years ago, eight years ago, um, my wife, she's an osteopath, we call them osteos over in the UK, um, really wanted to be able to have a lifestyle business where she could be able to treat patients the way that she wanted to, which meant that she didn't want to be able to be part of the insurance model. And I naively believed that it was going to be easy. <laughs> I said, of course I'll help you, how hard could this be? And her brother, to Dan's point yesterday, always says that there's someone that kind of negatively spurred you on, and that's him. He said, you don't know anything about being able to do this. What could you do? And my response was, watch me. And we had um, six years into it. She said six years is like top position of the year when we used to Texas. She, 60% um, of her practice is really being able to help infants with flat heads and twisted necks. Um, but the business that we really built was purely around helping the parents address their fears and the judgment that, that they were getting. But the lifestyle that we really wanted, that she really wanted, I should say, is to pick our kids up from school at 3 o'clock and come into work at 10 in the morning and be able to walk from the clinic when the patient canceled so that she could have the life that she wanted. And as part of the CEO group, what was really fascinating is that about a year ago, Ish. All the people in our group, for the most part, um, have started getting ancillary services, secondary businesses, different clinics. I mean, you heard from Allison earlier, Jake. I mean, they're all doing wonderful things, consulting-wise. And it really got me thinking, what could we do to be able to help? And for years, I'd always struggled with being honest with myself. And that honesty, the challenge was, I wasn't being honest with her. Because her dream was, I want to be able to have this clinic that could just be lifestyle. But I always wanted more. And we always fought um, to be able to grow the business versus just being satisfied with what she wanted. And until I was able to come to uh, a, a real honest conversation, which took years to be able to actually convince uh, that it's OK for you to have what you want, how about I go after what we want. And by we, I mean uh, our operations person is incredible. Derek, you're here, thank you very much. And we've now spun off a, a separate, separate ancillary service. And to the help of kind of all the team on the, the CMO side, Cam and um, Logan and Robin, um, all of you are incredible. And I'm very thankful to, to have you be able to help us grow the secondary business because for most of you, it might just seem like it's just a second service. To me, this is the only opportunity I can have to be able to get the life that I want, to be able to spend time with my family. And I'm so thankful for that. And um, like the net income for our business has been historically flat for probably like the past three or four years. And now for the first time, when we started the, with our last CEO group, Paul said, you know, you need to be able to hit $20,000 in gross collections by the end of the year for this ancillary service. And um, two weeks ago, we just surpassed that number. Um, and we haven't even uh, 
yet had the, the, the ancillary site go live yet, because we're just at like the beginning of month four, so that's right around the 90 day mark. Uh, the in-clinic um, events that we're putting on, the first one is coming on the 9th of uh, August, um, with all the postcards that have been completed as of today, and now they're going to the printers. Um, there is no digital marketing yet on the ancillary service. What I'm trying to say is, is like, this is just the beginning, and I am excited about the opportunity that this presents, not just because of the staff um, that, that we have that, that's working in the clinic, but more importantly because of Paul and the teachings that he's provided us to be able to give the quality of life that we dream of as a family. Fantastic. So I'm Nandar, I'm a physio from Canada. Um, my entry into Paul's world was a little bit, uh, Paul will tell this story too. He was surprised to hear it. It was a gift from my mom, this is how this happened. And not a lot of you know this story, but I've been following Paul since probably he started doing YouTube videos back in Hartlepool in the clinic, and I was like, as a PT, and I was like, oh, this is an interesting way to do things, and I immediately resonated with something there, but I was like, couldn't put my finger on it, but it felt a little bit abrasive, so I'm like, eh, let me just, just keep doing what I'm doing, because I'm pretty fine. And then when COVID hit, I actually got fired from my, my actual clinic, because I started an online clinic, because I'm like, well, there's no services, let me just start doing online PT and see what happens, because I have nothing to lose, because I'm already at home and I have a bedroom, and I can just use that. So I'm talking to my mom, I went, like, you know, I've been following this Paul guy. So she independently goes and does research on him. She goes, this is brilliant. Books a call with Barry. She's like, hey, son, I, I, I bought you something. <laughs> what did you buy me? She buys me accelerator. I'm like, I'm like, mom, no, this is expensive. You can't do that. Like, what's, this is like COVID and like all this. She's like, just do it. And if it doesn't work, who cares? I'm like, actually, true, true. <laughs> so this is her secret master plan. She's now my operations manager. So <laughs> we all knew this was going to happen. I didn't know this was going to happen. But the whole family was like, well, obviously. So she's, she works in operations. She does front desk. Um, we have grown. Uh, like Because it was an online clinic, we, we had to find an in-person location. So we found whatever we could, got a good deal on the rent. I'm like, we're not going to. What's too, I'm just me, my partner, Ty. We don't need to grow. We have 11 staff now in a 480 square foot unit. And we are open seven days a week as a busy operation and talk about growing pains. So we have we have had really good growth. We've had a 40% growth just in the past year. And I'm just like, what's next? So I, I was really happy to hear Dan almost unlock another level of what's possible. And uh, I can only thank some of the like incredible stories and people that I've learned from in the community as well as puzzles, coaching, the, the, the thing I value the most about it, because now, she, I call her Karima at work, it's her first name. So at work, she's Karima at home, she's mom, of course. Can't be like, can't be like you know, hey, mom, book Gary in for next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but instead, so, yeah, I go, she goes to me, she's like, hey, so do you think that was a worthwhile investment? I'm like, absolutely, of course. So I, I had a, a sort of a thought virus that if I put money into something, it could be a waste. I could be losing out, but now it's like an experiment. Let's throw money at this and see what happens. I was never this type of personality, but because of that little shift, I mean, how much is that worth to you? It's almost like patients that come in to see you. 
they might have something blocking their possible full recovery that they can't see, but they need someone else to show them, which is our job. And what we get from the community and from coaching and from the repetitive messaging, you might regress back to that way of thinking, but you always get that constant reminder, oh, there's something else that's possible for you, which is which I find very valuable and, and to be honest, in, invaluable. Hi, um, so I'm Christy and Lauren, and we opened up our clinic in 2018. Um, kind of, Lauren introduced me to the world of, of Paul. Um, so we started with Accelerator and then to Sales Bootcamp, and then joined in Mastermind um, in New Orleans um, in March of 2020. So we're, our clinic's outside of New Orleans, we're a hybrid based clinic. Um, and we are currently expanding um, into a larger location. We've been in about 1,100 square feet. Um, we have two full-time clinicians and a part-time clinician. Kind of over the past 12 months have reduced our clinical hours. Um, so in our new space, we'll be able to offer more wellness services, more cash pay services, um, more expand our Pilates program um, and massage therapy. Um, so kind of that's, that's a little bit about us. Um, like Chrissy said, uh, my name is Lauren. Hello. Um, yeah, so I, I think too, over the past 12 months, we've added a lot of staff. We've had staff come and go, like many of you in this room. Um, and that has definitely been challenging. So um, we're, we're figuring things out. And I think it's just like, we're kind of in this evolutionary process and peeling back the layers and figuring things out. And, Growing and expanding, and it's um, it's fun and uh, challenging. So, yeah, we're just kind of like looking forward to um, what's next, and uh, we're moving into a space that's like three times as big. We're adding services, we're adding staff, um, and so we know there's um, there's a lot of different things that are going to crop up. So, definitely hoping to learn still from everybody here, um, which is invaluable. So, Chris. Uh, my name is Chris uh, Garcia. I'm a uh, physical therapist, and um, I have a practice that I started in 2014. Um, this is before Instagram, Instagram and YouTube was YouTube. Um, and so, growing a cash-based clinic was a little tough uh, for me. Um, I had I worked professional sports, uh, and I've been traveling around the world. And my wife always said, um, you know, "I think we should settle down and have some kids." And uh, I think that you're not going to travel as much internationally anymore. So. Uh, I had all to do. I, I wasn't sure if I was employable. Um, so I opened a cash based clinic for um, $300 and uh, asked the gym owner if I could come in and see if the problem was tried. So I did what everybody else did and I just like word of mouth and tried to figure it out. And um, two years later, we get pregnant and uh, we open a, a new clinic. And uh, the, the owner of the gym says, Hey, you have a space for the next one. Would you be interested? And I said, Yeah, that's, that's a Great opportunity. Um, we're about to have a kid in two weeks, so just let me know, you know, when it's available. He said, No, no, it's available in two weeks. I said, um, I see. So, what are my options? He says, You commit to this ASAP. So I said, Okay. Um, so we have a baby, and the next day we the keys to the location. He says, Correct, please do. And and at the time, I was, you know, much like a lot of you, I was working 70, 80 hours. I'm just trying to do what I can. I think I was working three jobs. I was teaching at a local doctor as a therapy program. I was doing international travel here and there. Um, I was trying to hustle wherever I can on weekends. And so um, two years in, uh, to the practice we get the clinic, and then uh, I think I meet Paul 
um, at another business coach uh, conference. Uh, it's another business coach who was trying to get me into a mastermind and I meet Paul. And um, it's the night before Paul's first event, his iron in San Diego. And um, I meet him, he meets my wife, and uh, we eventually have a second and third kid. But the irony of this whole thing is that um, as I grew this first clinic, it was 2,500 square feet, it's much bigger than I could uh, handle. So I grew like all of you. So instead, I went from me to 14 employees in one year with no processes. You can imagine uh, my wife, <laughs> you can imagine me. Um, so that was very tough for me to do by myself. And at some point, you have to fight that barrier of like, most of you have got to the point where you're at because of your hard work, your work ethic, you, your drive. And at some point, you need to help understanding, taking a bigger picture and understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are. And um, that's what Paul did for me. You know, he really helped me understand that. So I joined the group in 2019, um, and then I went, I'm all in. Uh, when I went one to 14 employees, I went Paul, like, right off the gate, right off the gate, accelerated with VGS, uh, right in Mastermind, and then I'm part of CEO now as well. And so um, we went one to 14 employees, and over a year, over the years, we went back down to seven. And then since being with Paul, we've back, gone back up to 15 employees. Um, but the thing I can tell you that's the difference between where I'm at now and where I was before is that I still love risk. I still love going all in. Um, but I'm more calculated, I'm more prepared in understanding what my next move is. Um, so over the last uh, nine years of business, uh, we have 15 employees. Um, we went from one location to a second location in the middle of COVID. Um, some kind of opportunity came up and I didn't have the staff, I didn't have the leads, um, but I took on another clinic. Um, down the road and near the airport in San Diego. Um, and I said, all right, we're gonna stabilize for a little bit. And so I grew with a little bit more employees and then um, we did some marketing. A year into that, uh, another uh, cash-based clinic approached me and said, hey, we're, we're downsizing, we're about to exit. Uh, would you be interested in acquiring a business? I said, um, no. <laughs> but uh, it put me in a position where I had a second location, I didn't have the staff, or I had the staff, but I didn't have the leads. We opened a third location um, and took that opportunity. So um, I did all the planning, Paul was behind that, my CEO group was not behind that, and the, the moves I make now are so much more calculated. I understand it on paper, it works. Now I just have to execute. So the majority of my time is spent right now on uh, marketing and developing my team. Those are the, the two top things that I currently do. Um, since also working with Paul, I've opened another online business that I um, mentor, coach, physical therapist on clinical development, clinical reasoning, those things. So um, at the moment right now, I, um, I don't practice anymore. I, I haven't practiced in two years. Um, and I take my kids to school at 8 in the morning every day. I pick them up at 4 o'clock and I take them to practice every single day. And that was a big thing to me. And over the years, um, when I met Paul, um, there was a time where I was working 78 hours, you guys, and um, I had gained about 50 pounds. And um, my wife and I had struggled through a lot of this working through the business and you guys can understand that. And so in 2021, I think COVID was probably the best thing for me personally. Um, I lost 50 pounds, we opened the second clinic, the second clinic, the third clinic, I exited clinical practice, and it just gave me so much better of a vision and view of what impact I can have on more patients, more staff, more clinic uh, clinicians all around the country. And so it just helps me understand what I truly do as a business owner. And being in practice every single day, treating people, it just it wouldn't allow me that. My, my lens was too narrow. So um, currently, I'm enjoying where I'm at right now. Um, 
I'm hoping not to open another clinic. Um, that's great one of my thought processes. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to say no to an opportunity that makes sense. So, um, yeah. My name is Nick Hunter, and I own a traditional outpatient physical therapy clinic in Northwest Phoenix. Originally, I started in 2015 as all insurance and all doctor referrals, and then ran to capacity pretty quickly in that call in 2017 to start with here. And then kind of like Chris and some of the others just went all in on Accelerator Business Growth School in the mastermind I was at that San Diego first event. And I was on the brink of needing to hire because similar to everyone else, running 50 to 60 patient clinic hours of a week was uh, becoming quite demanding. And then um, we, thanks to Paul and, and what we learned from him, we grew to uh, four PTs. I was out of patient care um, and running at max capacity. And was on the brink of deciding whether or not to go into another clinic or to go out of insurance. And I decided to take the leap into all care versus more clinics and went into a hybrid model we started taking away insurances and um, so now we do cash pay and Medicare and ancillary services. We do stretch, shockwave, and fitness in addition to uh, our Medicare and cash pay. I have my four boys, teenagers, and my wife and I uh, are in the throes of all kinds of adolescent high school boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, let's, we'll stay with you. Um, so just give us, uh, I wasn't deliberately walking away from you. I didn't find you first. Yeah, time. I'm elusive, I am elusive. Um, just talk about the last 12 months, what's it been like for you uh, inside this coaching community? And then same question to you guys coming back. One of the things I was thinking a lot about, and it was uh, triggered again with Jen's talk earlier, was understanding the ratio of productivity and payable cost. And that was a trigger for me, we learned CEO, because it, it caused me to go down my staff and see who's, who's most productive, who's least productive. And it illustrated one of the things that we were, we were noticing is where we were, the run rate was kind of break even. And I had a few members of staff that were exceeding expectations, and I had one that was below expectation. And it wasn't until we ran that ratio where it was very obvious where the problem was and then what we needed to do next. And so once we uh, let her go, she moved on. I, that meant I had to come back into patient care, uh, which I was okay with at that time. But uh, it's been able to make decisions very easy. Uh, very All right, you. Yeah, I think uh, so. The last couple months, um, I did what every probably every one of you would do uh, when you finally got a patient care. You're like, see him, and draft, right? You're like, I, I don't even go. I try not to go to the office. I try to like just take a break, right? And I distanced myself so far because I finally done it, I was out. And then I started to see the run rate and my cash flow was starting to drop. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so I have to still be present. I still have to, um, you know, inspect. And so um, as I understand numbers uh, more clearly, the last two things that we've been focusing on over the last 12 months uh, have been two things. Um, one is uh, leadership development. So Jen had talked about um, really building a leadership team so that way you have a staff that can not only keep your revenue and profit high, but actually increase, not just keep the wheels turning, but accelerate them. And so that doesn't just happen because you talk to them a couple of times, you have to develop them. So 
leadership has a big, a, a big portion of what I'm trying to do as a business owner now. Um, and the second piece is the marketing, um, really understanding the lead generation. Um, and having them yesterday was powerful because it reinforces that um, at every stage, if you lose the power of marketing, you lose your business. And so there's no way you can accelerate this without that. So those are kind of been the two focuses for me, uh, marketing and leadership to help the wheels turn in class rates. I think Christy would probably agree with me. The last 12 months we've been, we've been trying to find a space, um, which has been extremely difficult, but that's taken up the majority of our time. We've, we've had our eyes set on expansion and growth, and we really have known from the get-go where we want to take our business. And um, it was just time. It's been time. And uh, so, yeah, we've, we've spent a lot of time kind of like combing through, visiting spaces, deal, trying to make deals. Deals are falling through. All the while, um, we've uh, hired one full-time PT, another part-time PT who's moving into full-time. We had lost two front desks, hired a front desk. So like everybody, you're like, you're trying to like, grow your business and then you're trying to manage and negotiate with staffing issues and training people. And um, so all of this is happening, keeping an eye on your numbers. I mean, as you're uh, making a big leap, which you know we feel like for us, this is a big leap. You have to get really like acute on your numbers and understand your finances and your metrics and um, yeah, I feel like you know that's definitely like we've been juggling a lot of things, um, but 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 knowing that we wanted to transfer and move into a larger space and expand our services, which also means like recruitment. So we've spent a lot of time um, on the calls with Luke. Uh, we've had calls with Simon, uh, just about what do we need to do, like who are we looking for, what are the traits, what you know, what do the scorecards need to look like. Um, so talking to people through, um, you know, your applicants on Jazz HR, sending out letters, sending out letters in the mail to PTs, massage therapists, trying to find the right fit. So all of this stuff is going on. Um, organized chaos. I hope it's sort of organized. It feels like more chaos sometimes. But um, but yeah, so that's that's the last 12 months for us. It's just really um, keeping a focus on where we want to go and then implementing things like definitely um, in terms of uh, marketing as well, like focusing on marketing, staying consistent with that. I feel like we've always um, done marketing and we've done all the things in the blogs and the website and the emails and everything, the social media, and it's just being very much more consistent with that. We've drawn back um, our hours in that direct patient here. Um, so Paul had preached like a think day, which was like a novel idea. And so Christy and I were like, oh, okay, cool, a think day. So like we, um, you know, we, we stopped treating on a full day. And so we're continuing to draw back our hours. And I think that's been like massively important for us in terms of just uh, being able to hit some of these benchmarks and grow in the way that we want to within the time that we want to. Yeah, um, absolutely. All the things that Lauren was saying and having a really clear consistency on what our numbers are. Can we make this work on paper? And that makes the decision making a lot better. Um, I think one of the things that, that we have grown over the past few years, especially over the last 12 months, is being able to be more confident with our decision making um, and be able to like, okay, this works on paper. Let's go ahead and do this. These are the three steps that need to happen to move from point A to point B, especially as um, we're moving from like, uh, $350,000 business to a $500,000 business and beyond, um, kind of having to change the way we think about things, how we make decisions, the um, velocity at which we make those decisions, um, and be more confident um, with those decisions. When does the staff need to go? When do we need to hire? Are we okay to move into this space? What does that number look like in this new space? How many people do we need? Um, kind of what is our end goal on that? So 
being clear with our numbers and not emotional with it, um, I think has really changed over the past 12 months. Um, and it allowed us to continue to grow as we are, are trying to expand. Excellent. The data? Yeah, I'm, I'm sensing a theme as well. It's, it's data-driven decisions. So last 12 months were like, the, I'll credit this actually to Stephanie in my progress group. Every single call we go, okay, well, you have to get very absolute, absolute clarity on your numbers. Like you have to watch those things and you have to, and then you use that to make your decisions, which I understood, but didn't really fully appreciate if, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, it's a good month. Like the bank balance is going up. Like that's like, I, and that's like such a thing we have at it. Maybe we learned this at a young age. You're like, oh, your cash account's going up. That's a good sign. But you're not realizing what's actually happening with the flow of money in your business. So at the beginning of the, let's say 12 months ago, we're like, well, if you, if you have clarity on your cockpit and you can see that if we adjust our rate by this much, this is what's possible for you without changing anything else. Well, that's a, that's a trip to Hawaii. I mean, like, who wouldn't want to do that? So I'm like, well, let's do two trips to Hawaii last year. <laughs> let's do a think day. Let's do a think week. Let's do a, let's do a cruise. I took 12 trips last year, um, which I was very happily able to do because we had clarity on numbers and we're like, this makes sense. I need packages. Staff, this is how we do packages. I'm, I'm an implementer, so when people tell me, like, you need to do this, I go, okay. And I just do it, like, unapologetically. We're like, okay. So my staff knows this. So you know how we were talking about, we go back on Monday and they're like, oh, here it comes with all those ideas. Like, they know. They're already texting me, they're like, what'd you learn? Like, what are we gonna, what are we anticipating? Because they know, well, I get, well, just as an example, I just bought myself a shockwave before I showed up to this. So I was like, let me just buy a shockwave and that's what's coming down the line. So, and that's because our numbers will support that. So we added stretch, we added um, pillows, and these are all data-driven decisions. So my advice for you, if you're thinking like, how do I make the most out of this sort of uh, group is like really get clarity on your numbers and use that to make your decisions. And then have fun with it, like do projections. Be like, look how much money I can make. And then you're like, wow, cool. Or if I have to get rid of this one staff member who's not performing, even though they're, you know, you really like them, look, what does the numbers tell you? Can you do it? So that's my advice and what will Excellent. I can, sorry, I can testament to the data is the epitome of an expander. 100%. David, for you, last moments? I think for me, it was all about execution because I delayed, I listened to Paul for years about getting an ops person. I think I was probably told that our CEO grew two years straight, find the ops person, you need an ops person, find an ops person. Uh, and I tell them why, David. <laughs> <laughs> the situation, because I don't think you explained it in your story about how you have a full-time job. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I, I work a full-time job in technology, and I do this in the evening and after hours. <laughs> he runs his business in the evening and after hours. <laughs> And because <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't have the bandwidth to it. So we needed the person to be able to grow because the business could. Only, I, I could only get it so far with one person, and I was struggling in our, our net income and flatline. And being able, the first hire was terrible, and I failed in this way. Uh, like we all have. Like we all have. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thankfully, the second one's great. Derek's over here right now, and. Uh, it, it's just being able to finally have the bandwidth to execute on the things that we needed to be able to do that I never was able to do because there was no bandwidth. 
So whether it be learning about the financial metrics, whether it be building the shop and awe box, whether it be getting the marketing done to consistently do the Facebook posts and the blog updates that I didn't do for the six years that I was told to do it and finally just hired CMO because Lord knows I know it works. I just didn't have the bandwidth. And if I were to look back now over the past year, it would just be that we collectively, I think, now have a, a, a wonderful team that is very much attuned to our ability to bring back these new ideas. And we're always sharing the why. I think like Simon Sinek always talks about <coughs> why do we do this? And we're very transparent. Like Here's why we're doing this. And here's what that means. And here's how it affects you. And here's what, how what you do affects this end result. So it's not just a task to them. It doesn't feel like it's additional work, they understand what we're doing and why we're growing and why we want to be able to do it. So that's been argument. Obvious. Yeah. Um, David? So my year is really 18 months of hiring. Um, about 18 <laughs> months ago, my front desk, my 26-year-old front desk came to me and said, you know, I'm having chest pain and I think I need to go to the hospital. And then she never came back. Um, She's yes. still alive. She, she is still alive. <laughs> About a month later, um, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who said, did this girl work for you? And I said, yes. She said, why did she leave? I said, I have no idea. She just disappeared, so she didn't get that job. Um, but then, just hiring, trying to find front desks and one, you know, it was all about getting a front desk in there that would offload me so that I could see patients, so I could bring the numbers up, so that I could hire PT. Um, you know, I finally in October brought in a great front desk who, her background is all sales, which, and she wanted to work nights. Like, where do you find this? Um, but she worked out well. She even started doing some of the, some of the first interviews. You know, I put her on a call with Luke. She tried to sell Luke on the company. Um, then when we found another, I, I was really all about finding another front desk because she was only working 24 hours. So I said, I need another front desk if I'm gonna be open from seven to eight once I get a PT. Found a front desk, she's horrible. Um, <laughs> let her go. And then um, stepped in it and found an amazing PT before I found another front desk. And we said, all right, let's bring you in. So I had to do some front desk while hiring. Finally, now we're at the place where we should be. So I could take my hours from 60 to 29, I think I'm at now, seeing patients. Um, so that's where we are. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so stay with you on this. In that, that last 12 months, or 18 months, it's been pretty, pretty overwhelming, like I say. So how have you grown? So we talk about the business growing and all that stuff, but how do you grow? So before I started a business, I ran companies for other people. Um, and when I did hiring, it was always, I hate them until they prove me otherwise. <laughs> and and, it, and it, it worked for me. You know what it was? Even, it might have been on the first, it might have been on the first 
first interview that I, I loved them, right? But I hated them, and, and so through different conversations, it's more of okay, try to find the solution to your problem. You know, that's I, I had a salesperson, and she's great at sales. She sucks at administrative. <laughs> so what am I looking for? Okay, look for someone who's really good at administrative. So it's more of a looking for what I'm the stuff the solution to the problem, and instead of just trying to find someone to fill all your needs, that's really what the biggest difference that I saw. Excellent. We see quite a lot of higher different desks, and they're going to do some marketing, and they're going to do some sales, and uh, like if there's some spare time, they can probably fix some back bed as well, and they can sweep up and go along. Picked out there. So somebody who's amazing at one thing, but isn't great at another, that doesn't mean that they get fired. You know, what you've done is just identified and understood where they where they fit and a, and a role for them. So yeah, fantastic. Uh, David, for you, your growth over the last twelve months. I think I mean you didn't touch on it a lot. I think was the first question, but how's it been? Ah, and I'll tell you what, mm. on that, just go into that. I what Nick said there. You have a full time job. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you doing that? How are you doing that? Plus. This evenings and weekends, and whenever you can, I presume you've opted out of sleeping. Um, <laughs> uh, I've unsubscribed from stuff from the house. Um, how do you do it? And how do you keep the energy, the, the intensity? Um, okay, so what I've learned, I think, over the, the, the course of the year is that it's okay to want what I want. And it's okay, and I gave my permission, permission to myself to go after what, what I wanted. And the only way I knew how to do that was to be authentic. And authentic to me means leading with empathy and compassion. And it's interesting because the team that I work with during the day, they've had lots of very crazy things that have happened to them. At the peak, it was at the staff of 19. One of them had recently, his father was diagnosed with a geoblastoma. Another person had a, a, a daughter who was molested. Um, there were just some very tragic things that, that had happened to these people, and we didn't lose a single person in this entire group, despite everything that was happening. And I think that lesson of being able to, to lead with empathy and understanding, really just <clears throat> giving a shit about the person that you're working with uh, and, and giving them space to be able to fail has really helped with the relationship that Derek and I have um, significantly. And at the end of the day, uh, I, do, I do work a lot, but it, it's to a goal of being able to have more time with my family and to be able to be able to travel when we want. We do typically two international trips a year and we bring the kids. We've taken them to Banff and to India and they've been to New Zealand and we've been to all these really great places and when we're out, we're fucking out. Uh, and, and I prefer it that way. So how that happens, um, I leverage technology a lot, um, probably more than, than 
most of you would or would want to. Um, it just happens to be a skill set that I have. And originally, when I first started the business, um, I approached it from a technology perspective. How can I automate this? How can I fix this? How can I make this faster? But it was missing the empathy and the marketing. And now I view myself as a marketer who happens to know technology. Fantastic. How then is that like, you, you guys you treat patients full time, and then you go going home, and then you're trying to run your business a bit, and then you're trying to do things on the weekend. And it's hard. It's, it's hard to do it. Commendable. You do it, but again, in all of that, the thing your eyes look up when you went, but we go over it, and we take the kids, and we have these choices, we have this quality of life. Fabulous. Nadine? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> how have I changed over the How have you grown? Yeah, so we, we could talk about how you've just grown and you've got okay, all this stuff. Just let's talk about you. How have you grown? What have you learned? Where's your development? I think two things I would say. Like, one of them is like much more focused on positive things. Because of course it's easy to just like fixate on oh this is going wrong wrong wrong, but you can get equally as much value if you focus on positive things. We did last year we did an orthotics campaign in December. We're like okay people want to use their insurance and they have coverage and we're like we send out our we do our marketing and work, and then I was like well that went really well that's good, but we actually took the time to be like what went well about it so that this year we can be like why don't we run two orthotic campaigns. Why are we just doing one? So we did two and we just basically doubled our orthotic sales. I'm like, we wouldn't have done that if we had, let's say we had a negative campaign where like, oh, what could have gone? And you try to incrementally improve it, but the difference is so small that if you find things that are going well, you should double down on what went well. And that's something I picked up from this community, especially in the coaching side of things. And then to sort of bring that in a sort of macro level, you know when you go to the dentist as a kid and you get all the cavities, you get like a, your picture on the board? So I don't know if this happens where you guys are from, but in Canada, this is a big thing. So you want to be on that board, because you don't want to have cavities. So we implemented, at the start of last year, like a back added board. So if any of you are not doing this, I highly recommend you do it. And it just goes at the exit of your clinic. So everyone who leaves, particularly you, particularly your staff, at the end of the day, they see pictures of people going back to things that they never thought were possible but because of your clinic, because of your intervention, because of your skill, and because you're changing their mindset, you're transforming their life, they can now do what they thought was impossible. And if you remind yourself of that every single day, it's almost like positive focus, right? So you might have had a long day, it's so stressful, and we get all caught up in the negative because the mind just likes to go towards the negative. But if you remind yourself of it at the end of the day, like this is why you do what you do, it's a lot easier for your staff to have that cohesive vision and message. And it's also great marketing because people will sit in the clinic and be like, oh, you guys treat tennis players? Like, yeah. <laughs> we don't just do back pain. You know how people always go, what's my competitor? Oh, I didn't know you treat shoulder pain. But they'll see it. So it's a chance, uh, another chance for a conversation. Um, so yeah, that's something that we implemented last year. And I, I highly recommend everyone do it. And personally, what it does for me, at least in the past year, it just shifted my mindset towards the positive when Carly naturally wants to go the other way. Love it. Fantastic. Uh, Lauren? Christy? Christy, Lauren? Um, so, uh, we, so we opened our business in 2018, and over the past five years, um, my life has changed a, a whole lot. Um, you know, we have this business that we're growing, we're trying to, to make it grow and, and work and hire people and 
um, keep moving forward in that direction. I have two kids. Um, so it's been a lot of life change. And in that, it's very easy to start the day and you're just running until you fall asleep and you're just in it and what fires next and hard to see out of the day-to-day -day stuff. It's just like what is on fire in front of me um, and address that. And then it was in, I think it was October, the mastermind, I think it was in Orlando and Damon John was um, the speaker. And one of my biggest takeaways from that um, talk was he was talking about, okay, you have these dreams of what life would look like in five years, 10 years, 50 years, what does that look like? And you have this time the sky idea of things. And he's like, no, no, I want you to feel it. I want you to see, okay, you have that house on the beach that you want. What color is the door? When you open it, what does it smell like? Um, what is it? Is it sunset outside? Like really paint the picture in extreme detail. Um, and so after that, I spent a lot of time thinking about that, both professionally and personally. In 50 years, what do I want my life to look like? In 20 years, what do I want it to look like? What does it smell like? What is it? What am I doing? What am I wearing? Um, all of those different things. And it gave me a lot of clarity on what steps do I need to take to do that. So it gave me clarity and courage um, to do that. So when we go into our annual planning and our quarterly planning for the business, it's very clear we need to move from here to here in this period of time and how are we gonna do that? Okay, we're gonna do these three steps, let's go. Um, and kind of breaking it down into smaller pieces, but always having that kind of vision of what I want things to look like. And of course, life throws you all kinds of stuff and, and bumps in the road and, and that might change over time. But it gave me a lot of clarity on what direction I want to move. Um, and the business is a big part of that. Um, so just having that, that clarity and focus has been really helpful um, over the past year. Things are starting to make a lot of sense now. Uh, yeah, with, uh, so <laughs> um, I think there's, there's two things for me and I'll start off with one that I can kind of, this is a good segue from what Chrissy just said. So um, I think the first thing is trust and confidence in the decisions that we're making and starting off and you're, you know, you're new and you don't have a lot of money and like you're trying to figure things out, like it's scary, right? And like your tolerance to risk might be pretty low. Um, but I think this year and like seeing that um, we've done well and like people, you know, like we've got proof of concept and people are coming and they like what we're doing and like we're getting all this good feedback and we're growing and like, I'm like, holy shit, like we can do this, you know? Like you just have that moment where you're like, okay, let's go. But um, but you know, Christy, like when we have our annual plan, she's like, she's got, she dreams so big, and she's like, okay, like, you know, I, I, I really think this, and like, what, what do we need to do to, to get to this point? And I'm, you know, I'm always the one's like, whoa, 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 like, mm. um, so, uh, so yeah, that's, um, you had some good thoughts after that one, um, but yeah, so that was, that was the first. I think trust and confidence, and just like having the belief in yourself and seeing things go really well. I mean, that's, that's certainly one thing I think I've grown with, and then. The other thing, I um, when Jen was sitting up here, I just like I, I heard so much of myself in that um, conversation, which is, um, you know, you just want to shoot out the email to your staff. It's just like, okay, do this, you know, because you don't really have time to be like, okay, I would really like for you to do it this way and get it done at this time, and like, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And smile emojis, right? So it's like, um, but you kind of have to do that a little bit. I, I tend to be like, I know that I'm a little bit harsh, I'm a little bit stern, um, and that comes through, and, and that has not 
always served me well. And um, I think I've had to really sit back and become more patient with myself and more patient with staff and really make it a point of trying to get to know people and ask them, hey, how was your weekend? And like, I want to get to know you. And um, you, you're married, right? Or like, you have kids? Or you, you know, so like, like getting to know them um, is really important. I think that's helped. And Christy really helps me with that like every single day. Um, just be more of like a person and not a machine and because uh, I just like to do and go and get things done and let's do it this way and we need to get it done fast and um, yada yada yada. So, um, you know, definitely I spend a lot of time like pausing, reflecting, I'm not reacting immediately like Jen said, you know, don't, I still do, but not, you know, it's less. And, um, you know, meditating every morning, I run, I exercise, I make these things a part of my life. Um, yeah, because I just, I have to. Fantastic. Chris, um, how many in the group have kids? Yeah, so the, I'm going to go and contrast David over here. Um, I, I think uh, we have three kids, and our first kid got everything, right? A nice bed, uh, like perfect clothes, great, great pregnancy, spoiled, you know. And the second one kind of got like half of that, right? And our third was like, Oh, I forgot we were pregnant, right? Like we, <laughs> we get, they got like so little, right? And so it's kind of like that with your first hire, right? You're like, oh, I just put you in bubble wrap. You're so perfect. You're never gonna leave me ever, <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. I know we're gonna be married together for 50 years. I know it. Um, and then they they don't show up to work. You know, after going to the hospital. So you know things happen. And, and my point to this is that uh, our personality as physical therapists, as physical therapists, not physical, you guys are very empathetic. So very selfless. Like the world means everything to you. Like your patients are the world. And the thing I've developed over the last year, and don't go take this wrong way, is that I'm not selfless. I just care less. I just care less. Why? It's not that I don't love my third child less. It's just there's so much chaos. There's so many things happening. I can't pay attention to you at the same rate. So we're going to split the time evenly. I'm just going to talk to you like this because I don't have the time. No smile emoji. Not happening. <laughs> I just care less. And my staff doesn't feel like they're loved less. They just know I'm still present, I'm behind the scenes, here's my goals, here's what we're doing as a family, and this is how it's gonna work. You're on the ride with me or you're not. That's just how it is. So I care less, I'm not selfless anymore. And that is important to me. I put myself first, not selfless anymore. And that was very critical to me. My, my relationship with my wife, my own personal health, we work out together five days a week. I train seven days a week. I'm very happy with where I'm at and excited to go to the next point. That's my first one. The second one is with three kids, two businesses, 15 employees, a dog, you know, you name it. There's just chaos all the time. And I can never predict when those things are going to happen, and I'll never have the best response. But the thing I can do is what's the consequence I want out of all this chaos? This new hire, this ops, this new problem, and I want to hear who showed up late. What's the consequence? Are we hiring and firing? What, what's the productivity? What's the profit? What do we need to do? And if I can keep my head high, every challenge is very easy. What consequence do I want out of this? Not what decision we're going to make. It's what I want out of that. So, number one is consequence I want out of that. Number two is just I care less. Thank For me, what I've known in the last year has been. Can you recognition where my strengths forced success in the business and where my shortcomings forced failure in the business? And having that awareness allows me to surround myself with people who support my shortcomings 
And then how do I better communicate who to hire to also bring in my business to support my shortcomings? It's been enormously important to have my CEO who uh, with the amount of strengths, the variety of strengths that they have, to then understand where I'm not so good at some things, to then lean on some of the expertise and strengths of, of my group. And for me, it's kind of been more than just the last 12 months, um, but I've seen it more readily in the last 12 months in some of the changes I've made in my business and how quickly I accept where I'm not so good at things to then reach out for help to get it in those areas uh, has been phenomenally successful for me. So uh, sales is something I'm, I'm very good at in terms of helping my clients see the value of physical therapy. I can communicate with them very well. But I also recognize I'm not so good at training sales with my staff. So I'm now working at how do I get better at having my team understand where the nuances and intricacies of the conversation that need to be in place for you to have similar success uh, that I've had. Marketing is not one of my strengths, but after yesterday, I understand that I need to make that a big, a big piece of my strength going forward in the next 12 months. So just an awareness and understanding of you know, where am I at and what I need to be working on so that I can be where I'm going. Alright, Nick, we'll stay with you. So, um, one thing you, you've done, I think you've implemented and executed, you moved away from insurance. Are you all cash now? Or are you hybrid? Or where, where are you at? 80% Medicare and 20% cash. Right, okay, so you're, right before it was, I remember having a call you and was like, do you think with this insurance and this insurance and this insurance and this insurance? Do you have more insurance companies and patients? So, just something that you implemented that worked. Whether you got it from the community, you got it from coaching, whatever, something that you put into practice at work. Share that with us. Something that we implemented was uh, an orientation towards accepting where the, where the audience is and going going all in on that. It was a dream of mine to, to then live in this hybrid environment of insurance and cash and just to, to slowly ramp up this cash-based clinic. And it just it wasn't working. Like it, it wasn't working from a standpoint of because we took insurance, the conversations that we had to live in duplicity was it was just too conflicting. And so it was like, we have to rip the band-aid off and go all in on, on cash or, or accept the fact that we're going to bring in supplementary services. And so what really worked for us was accepting the fact that most of our population is going to be Medicare, and it's an amazing audience to work with, and they also have money that they want to spend on getting themselves better that physical therapy can't do by itself. And so we need to then stretch We've done Shockwave, we do a fitness program now. And just having an additional, having more services and more opportunities for clients who know, like, and trust us to continue on with us has been extremely rewarding. I think the point that there, uh, who takes Medicare? Yeah. If you believe that Medicare patients will not spend money on other things that will complement, benefit, be specific to them, achieving their goals, you are naive at best, deluded at worst. Because there's proof. There's proof stood in the back of the room, Keith, as well. Anything like that, do not just, oh, we take Medicare, right? Does Medicare pay for that, which means you can spend money on all these other things. So, Chris, one thing you, again, slightly different uh, business model than Nick's, but just something that you've implemented um, from the group or from the community or from coaching that you can say, hey, we did this and this is, this is why. 
Yeah, I think uh, I took this from Paul most recently, and, and um, out of all the things that we work on, Spike, the the thing that's pushing the dial or turning the dial just a little bit faster. And um, my big goal is you're always part of the marketing, right? That's just the nature of what you have to do in order to get the patients you want. So one of the things that we've changed and upgraded is at some point you have to figure out you're going to outsource this to, to CMO or your marketing assistant, or whatever it is. But you always have to be inspecting, right? Like that's just the responsibility you have. Like you cannot let go of that. Just like coffee, you have to look at your leads and prospects, everything else. The thing we did was we introduced team coaching inside the marketing. So my front desk, my outbound sales, and my marketer, and my ops would be on a call where I'm coaching marketing. Why? Because they now can listen to that. Now I don't have to have a one-off conversation with admin or sales, and this is what's happening. I'm coaching marketing and having everybody involved hearing that so they can also support that campaign. They can also figure that out. And what happens is you have these one-on-ones and you use that as your time to check in, do all these other things. But one of the most productive things you can do is get the team involved in helping them understand why you're doing things. So you don't have to use that additional four hours, that one-off to do to tell the same thing. So that's been um, very helpful for us. And what that allows us to do is just move at a faster rate. And then everybody wants to pick up, well, I can do a little bit of social media, I can do this. And so you bring your marketing assistant, whoever that is, to be, have a higher position to hopefully come into marketing coordinator just a little bit faster and not relying on you being the single one-off coach every single time. Fantastic. Lauren? It's hard to pick. Um, we've, we've implemented so many things and as we've acquired more staff and grown. Um, we've, from the get-go, we've always had support board meetings. We've always had weekly meetings. I think those are super helpful in, in finding the structure to where those meetings are productive. Um, you know, every week we have like what we call an NPL, which is master patient list. And we, we go through every single patient um, that we have. We, we spend, you know, 30, 45 minutes. Um, and, you know, we talk about certainly like their frequency and who's at risk for dropping off. We can kind of like anticipate or like tackle some of these problems potentially before they happen. So I think that's really helpful, um, just having these weekly meetings and scorecard meetings. and. Um, it also gives our other clinicians the opportunity to learn from us, and I think they really value that because we do a part of what we do in our weekly meeting is kind of a, like a breakout where, again, it's like by department. Um, so, like the clinicians will get together, and then like our admin staff will either split out with Christy and I, and we'll do some things that are more targeted and specific to their roles. So, um, that's that's been really helpful, I think, in just kind of keeping the wheels turning and keeping everything organized and everybody focused on the priorities each week. Um, but yeah, I, I, I probably have to say, if I was backed into a corner and you made me choose, I think that the thing that, that we've implemented is, in a sense, we've drawn back on our treatment hours. It's been huge. It's, um, you know, Paul preaches it all the time, and you kind of think, like, that was never my intention. I love treating patients. I, I think I'll probably be a clinician in some form or fashion forever. But. Um, but that was a big deal. That really helped us visualize the business from a different level, get out of the nitty gritty, and um, be consistent with it. Like, you you cannot, honestly, we were forced into that in a sense because our space is so small and we've, we've been growing and we, we just can't treat with multiple clinicians in the same space. 
And so like, but before I was like, oh, well, I could see you, like, so we'll squeeze it in and then like, oh, okay, well, when am I gonna have time for marketing? So time blocking and really sticking to that and forcing yourself to draw away from the clinical side and draw away from the treatment side, I think that was the biggest difference for us this year that has really given us a lot of clarity and allowed us to do things from um, more of a business growth standpoint and um, not just being really good, good clinicians. Yeah, I would second everything um, <clears throat> Lauren has mentioned. The other thing that stands out to me over the past 12 months is our mindset behind recruiting. Um, previously, we would hire somebody like, yes, this is the person. They will be with us till we die. This is it. This is great. Um, but they're not. And they would just say, hey, I'm not coming back. Or they would leave. At, we had one leave at lunch and just drift off into the sunset and never returned. She left her key on the counter, went to lunch, never came back. Um, so we would say, oh, I've got the person now, I've got her, or him, or whoever it is, and um, this is it. I don't need to have that phone interview next week. I don't need to respond to this person that sent us the resume. Oh, I think I don't need to spend the money on keeping my job ad going. Um, that was incorrect. We needed to make sure that we, we dedicated that time and um, have that kind of dedicated time for recruitment. One, it made my skills better on recruiting. Um, my interviewing skills got better. My tolerance of who I'm looking for, what I'm looking for, um, that all got better. And it also gave us a list of, okay, this person leaves, I've got four people that I can reach back out to and say, hey, are you still looking? Um, because our current person applied to us a year ago and, and kind of just keeping in touch with her. Um, we're like, the position's filled right now, but I'll let you know if anything opens up. So. Sometimes it works out, um, but even if it doesn't, you know, we're working on those skills. We're building that kind of Rolodex of people that I can call um, that could help fill the bench so I'm not then six months without a front desk or, you know, three months without a clinician and the business is stalled growing. Excellent. Uh, one thing we did is uh, added stretch therapy, which I never thought we could do. And I thought that was a cool idea Paul has. I'm like, get people addicted to your services. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. How is this gonna work? So I go back to the clinic and I'm like, I gotta find, like I don't have to stretch, like I don't think about it. I look around, no one's offering it. So we had a patient who um, I helped with a shoulder problem and he was very grateful. And so so much so that he's like, I wanna become a physical therapist now. And he, he had a 19 year career as a paramedic and he was a little bit burnt out from it. He's like, I'm looking for something slower paced. And it was just kind of after that and it was like primed in my mind. So I'm like, I have an idea, Kevin. You want to be a stretch therapist? He's like, what's that? I'm like, I don't know. But this is what <laughs> I was like, basically, we do the yoga for you. You know, like think about that conceptual is tight. They're like, they want to de-stress. And what I remember learning early on is like when someone says yes to you, like a patient says yes to you the first time, they're more likely to say yes again. So we went for those people. So they, the people who were like, yes, I want the package. Yes, I want the pillow. We're like, okay, we have something else. I'm going to give you a free session of stretch with uh, with Kevin. Um, he's kind of in training right now. We're pretty honest about it. We're like, we're gonna use it as a testimonial if you're happy with it. And they're like, okay. So he he he's only with us once a week because we're really tight on space, but he's like bursting at the seams. So if anyone has questions about how to do stretch operationally, just ask how to find someone, how to train them, how to market it. So we've already worked all that out. So um, that was really useful because it was my it's my foray into wellness, which I now it's like another whole side of the business. So. Fantastic, David. I love that too as well. Um, for us, 
we added a, a stretch services too as well. And it was for the biggest takeaway for us is going back to our existing patient population because we had we have a list of three thousand existing happy patients that we never once actually sold anything to. And uh, going back into them um, with this uh, offer, and we, we just started doing this, um, I think is the reason why we were able to get 20% of our gross collections last month just from this secondary and secondary service off the bat, where I think we talked about it's, it's not even fully baked yet. Like we don't have the website. Uh, we don't have the paid marketing. We're just doing basic notification, email notifications to the staff and posting on kind of Facebook and social media. But there's there's just so much opportunity because we're putting in place all of the mechanisms that we're always told to be able to do. And doing these things has been the biggest one. Excellent. Hello, David. Um, with the growing the staff so quickly, it gave me a chance to actually do meetings, you know, do weekly meetings, quarterly meetings, yearly planning, um, accountability meetings, just make it normal. And actually, the great thing about it was I made it part of the interview process that these are what we do, which make people want to come to see, come, come work for you more. But, you know, they want to develop. They want to. They want to feel like they're part of the growth of, of the company. And then, because I added everybody so quickly, I could just straight time block. Because you know what, this is the way it's going to be. Because, well, this is the way. This is the way it's always been. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine because you don't know anybody. <laughs> so it, it was great because it's you know when I was joining Mastermind, I said to Paul, I go, I don't have time for this crap. I don't have time to, to put two hours a week watching a 4% call, and then going to the progress groups. I don't have time for it. He goes, hey, we just take stuff off your plate. Now I, now it's like, no, my progress group is, uh, this is non-negotiable. 4% non-negotiable. I'm there every single week because it is my time to start to really work on the business. And now that everything becomes blocked out, now I really have time to work on the business instead of just in it. Excellent. All right, we're gonna have one last question. Right, this is going to be hard for all of you because this is going to be the third second answer. This is an elevator pitch, okay? So the elevator door's open and I walk in and I go, hey David. Uh, how you doing? Uh, uh, hey, tell me about this this uh, mastermind thing that you're in with Paul and that and all these people. Why, why are you winning? And we've got 30 seconds. Um, so a minute, because it gives you the clarity as to what you got to do next. It, it gives you the mindset as to that you can do it next, and that, and it gives you the example that everybody else has done it next, and it actually allows you the ability to help the people who need to do the next. Excellent. All right. David exits the lift of the elevator. <laughs> uh, and miraculously, the David walks in. I'm like, oh, David, you're part of this uh, group as well. Tell me why you're in it. It just gives me clarity to understand what to do, 
when to do it, but more importantly, a war chest of what not to do and what else is possible based upon what they're doing and patterns that are happening across the country to make better data-driven decisions to reduce risk, to increase profitability, and to drive the business forward. Fantastic. As did exits lift, lo and behold, who walks in? But the data. <laughs> like, I'm up the top floor, so we've got like another few floors. Hey, today, what? Why are you in this community? So they, you do it because uh, you get both the safety net. In case something goes wrong, you have someone to go. You always feel like you have someone to go to, which is a very nice reassuring feeling. So it allows you to take a bit more risk than you otherwise would. Plus, you get a plethora of ideas of like what's possible that you can just go after. Um, and everyone, everyone in the group is very supportive and wants you to succeed and celebrates that success. And so you kind of get driven to do even more. So it's a, it's a no-brainer for me. Okay. Oh, hey, hey Christy. Can't see bumping into you in this other This is one after the other. So why are you in the community? Yeah, everybody, um, <clears throat> there's any problem that we have, somebody's had that problem before. Um, so it's very rarely do you have a problem that no one has ever had before or has no solutions or resources or any help. And even <clears throat> if they don't have that problem before, they can give you the support that you need that, okay, this is gonna be fine, we can solve this problem, and hey, let me help you do that. Um, so it's the support, the confidence in our decisions, um, the accountability on, oh, you said you were gonna do this, did you actually do it? Um, that kind of support um, is really invaluable for us. Oh, hi, Laura. Oh, hello. <laughs> it's just one after another. Yeah, yeah. So you're um, community as well, aren't you? Okay, well, um, I think part of what David said was perfect. He, he said, what is possible? And I think that's uh, probably the biggest reason or the biggest draw for me is what is possible. Um, you sit out at the, at the tables and, you know, usually we're, we're here and we're, we're not on the stage and you look at people like Derek Hines and Beth Templin and um, Natty and, and like you just hear what is possible and that is so motivational and um, you can aspire to that and aspire to, to a different level and, and try to grow yourself and then also um, when Paul talks um, he talks about things that you can apply not only professionally but personally and I think that's a huge thing it's kind of like a like a life coach almost so um, but yeah, so I think those two things, what is possible, and then the, not only the professional development and growth, but also the personal. Oh, Chris, fancy bumping into you as well. Wow, wow. So tell me why you're part of this community. Yeah, um, this is just kind of the flavor of where I am in my, my professional kind of path. Um, but it's the probably the fast track to allow me to have more time with my kids and my family. And so at the end of it, you can talk about all the scripts or everything else. Um, but it's the thing that allows me to have more resources so I can spend more time with the thing that I would be able to do. Um, so, um, thank you. Well, of course, I've bumped into Nick. I've bumped into all these guys. Of course, I've bumped into Nick. Nick, tell me why you're on Have you seen that Netflix show called Alone? Anyone see that? Fascinating show about business because the winner survives two months, maybe. And it is a trouble. Like it's survive, not thrive. It's like they barely scrape by at the end. And it is so hard to watch in terms of how much work it is to do everything just to survive. And I became really triggered by that TV show. I'm thinking, 
That's exactly how I was when I first started my business and trying to do everything just to survive. All my clinic hours, all the doing everything I didn't know how to do, trying to figure it all out, I had no idea what to do. And then finding a community like this where I look back and think, all my life I've had coaching. I've had parents that help me navigate life challenges. I've had teachers that help me educate. PT school, spiritual leaders, I've had coaches my entire life. Who might think I wasn't going to need a business coach to help me navigate the most lucrative opportunity, the most life-changing opportunity for me and my family? And it just became really clear that uh, that was going to be the next best step. And every, every offer that comes forward for me to grow, uh, I've accepted um, and positively accounted and contributed to that. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to Paul Goff's audio experience. If you're brand new to Paul's world, head on over to paulsmarketingbook.com where you can get started with his number one best-selling marketing book for physical therapy. Or if you've been listening to the show for a while, you like what you hear and you think that you can benefit from this type of help to accelerate the growth and profitability of your practice, reach out to Paul's team at paul at paulgoff.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. And by the way, if you know someone who would benefit from today's show, please share it with them. And if you've got any questions that you want answered, tweet Paul at the Paul Goff using the hashtag AskPG. You can also find all of these details over in today's show notes. All right, until next time, have a wonderful day.